Hello again everybody and welcome to another edition of the Good Bit Podcast. It is absolutely lovely to have you with us. We're here for another uh, autumnal horror scary film continuing on the theme here in October 2023. That's a joke of course if you've seen the title of this week's episode. This week's film is the lovely Little Miss Sunshine. A very wholesome film for you know this scary movie season, this Halloween season of 2023's uh, October scary month. Um, I'm actually recording this on Friday the 13th as this is going to go out on the 15th so ooh, very scary day. Joining me this week, ladies and gents, is one of my favourite people. It is actress, theatre maker, uh, recently taken over a theatre school as well, Becca Dunn. Brilliant Becca is here on the podcast for the first time ever. Usually this is weird, actually, because usually we chat about film and theatre all the time in our real lives as we work together, but it's nice to see I've not seen you in ages. You've become one of those people that's really difficult to get a hold of these days. Becca, we're finally doing it. You're finally on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's lovely to see you. I really enjoy that we turned up in matching. I mean, obviously this is audio, but we're both wearing we're both wearing blue. Little mentors blue. Yes. Um, for those for for context, this is we me and Becca work together, and we decided to wear our uniform to record tonight. <laughs> Pretty much, we're not actually, but we're wearing stuff exactly the same color, which is like you know. Um. Yeah, I'm good. It's been a really hectic term. I hate that I'm becoming someone that is hard to get hold of. So I'm going to try and change that with some better some better time management. But it's a busy time. I'm spinning lots of plates, but they're they are all good they are all good creative plates. So I am I'm grateful for that. Yeah. That is that is the most important thing. Are you enjoying it? You know, is it is it something you're passionate about? And you definitely have always struck me as someone that's really like loves to be creative and and kind of I don't know if you prefer to be busy, but you always seem like you've got stuff going on. And that's kind of probably where you where you thrive. I feel like I probably prefer to be on holiday, but I don't know <laughs> that happened for a while. Um, yeah, I, it is all stuff that I really love. It's interesting because a lot of it's quite new. So um, I've just taken, I've just recently taken over a theatre school. So I really love working with the kids and teaching them and writing for them or like helping them with devising stuff. I love all of that. Um, and then teaching adults as well at the RCS. I really like, I just really like working with people. So, I mean, yeah. that's the same as our job really, isn't it? So all the jobs where I get to uh, meet people and kind of bounce off of them creatively is really great. But um, I think the admin side of stuff is the bit that is taking longer for me to get my head around because I've never done it before. So I just am realising it's taken more time in my week. It's gradually speeding up, but it is gradual. Yeah. I can imagine like when you you think, okay, I'm going to start this theatre school. I'm going to do all the admin stuff. You think I could do that. You know, yeah. but I, I reckon when you get started, you go, well, there's so much more than I was expecting. When I was a member of Bridges, the actors agency, yeah. uh, I had a, a previous, um, last week's guest, Kelly Davies, someone that I used to work with at Bridges. Um, you know Kelly? I love Kelly. She's great. Yeah, great, a, a great person. Um, but yeah, so we were we were talking about it and I was like, do you know what? Like The, the thing I didn't like the most about the whole co-op agency was the admin side. I love the people and I love the fact that you had the community, as you say, like working and bouncing ideas off people, but the admin stuff where, you know, the pressure comes in and you're kind of out your depth a little bit. Um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, and, you know, I've had to, you know, I've been like on the YouTube watching Excel spreadsheet videos to like be keeping my books and um, it is definitely getting easier. Like I'm quite looking forward to like from January onwards, I feel like I'm going to have like made my choices about how I'm approaching it, but it's been um yeah I took it over in February so it's actually still really early on because the summer break was so long so honestly most of it's printing I have to print so many scripts now <laughs> like yeah it just takes up so much time takes yeah so much time. me and my stapler in the corner being like come on yeah <laughs> you could write a scene from that just woman yeah. with stapler yeah uh, I thought it for my next show of the job <laughs> There you go. That's going to go in the showreel. Homemade. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Office mayhem. I'm trying. To, I was trying to think of a pun, but I can't think of anything. Well, you know who's in the office? Steve Carell, who's in oh, this film. Nah. Seamless segue. No. Seamless. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. All right. So, so you've taken over a theatre school, adding to the whole busy schedule that you that you live. You what's you're also doing? Gone yourself. What's this? Is this a new kind of passion project uh, with some friends? Yes. I should definitely plug this here. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, go on your cell. We've been doing trial workshops for the last three months and we're our official launch is in November and we run like affordable, accessible workshops for professional actors to just come and do some scenes work, maybe some monologue work. Um, we have occasional director led sessions 
just for people to come and um, kind of like use their creative muscles and keep creatively fit. But it's very much like it's very low stakes. It's very casual. It's very much like come and play and remember that you are like a valued creative person and performer whether however long it's been since you last worked or yeah. however you feel in auditions because like I for one there's like not much work at the moment and it feels uh it feels pretty heavy and then when stuff does come along the pressure's so massive because there's yeah. been like no like you know it's not a solo sport like you can't really practice on your own and I just feel um that there's kind of um lacking somewhere to keep the joy going and for us to all be like supporting each other rather than competing yeah. so uh, yeah me morgan woods and cat mcleod have set that up together and we're trying to uh get that off the ground so give us give us a little follow if you want and come along it'd be nice to come come for a session and play yeah and what are the socials how can i'm gonna put you on the spot now go find the the twitter and instagram or sorry the x and Instagram. Oh, X. Do you know what? I almost, I'm basically not on it in rebellion at this point, but right. um, uh, our Instagram is at gone yourself workshop. Um, so give us a little, a little look on there. A little follow. Yeah, I will do. That sounds yeah. great. Will your partners, would they be up for coming on the podcast? I feel like that's something we could organize. Yeah. Yes, very, very much so. And um Oh yeah, that'd be really great actually to get them on. Yeah, I'll put them in touch with you. Yeah, that'd yeah, be fun. Could, the three of you could come on. We could do like a kind of that'd be so fun. Maybe like after yeah, so because we're launching in November, maybe like after that we could have a little little podcast together. Sounds good. Sounds oh, good. We'll, we'll book it now, so we make sure you're free. Yeah, I was uh, going to say put me now for next. No, I joke. <laughs> Who would have a 2024 relaunch of Becky oh, no, It's not even funny. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to be busy. I'm really glad you're busy and, and um, you're staying active and staying creative because I've not seen you in so long and hopefully I'll see you. In, but we're, we're going to do this in person, but we just we just couldn't, couldn't sort it out. I'm busy too, you know, so it's like it's good to kind of – we have the ability to do it remotely and we can still yeah. catch it later. But I do owe you a coffee, so we'll do that at some point. Um, in terms of films and that sort of thing, what have you been watching? Anything – on tv recently have you had a t- have you had time to kind of check out some movies or tv shows that sort of thing right well okay this is kind of this is like a rogue answer for me so um i've been like hmm. so i love succession still have okay. last season okay i'm on i'm on season three that was hopefully you weren't going to say something yes yes so i've got to end of season three because i'm waiting because my partner's catching up so we've only just started i'm re-watching all of it with him um, and the trade-off was I watched all of Andor with him. Okay. And, oh my gosh! No, I'm. So, it's actually it's amazing. I was so into yeah. it. Um, so yeah. many Scottish actors. Oh my god! And Andor, and even so, I got a bit jealous. You yeah. know what I mean? I was like, oh, yes. I feel yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just uh, what a incredible cast! Like. Just that moment that Andy Serkis popped up and I was like, oh, come on. And Fiona Shaw and all these people. And I found myself getting, I was really surprised by how how much I got into it. So I, I literally, I finished that a couple of days ago. Um, so really enjoyed that. Um, what else? Honestly, I've been not keeping up with the films as much as I should have been. I had a comfort watch of Toy Story the other day after a late night teaching, which was, that was, that was just really lovely. You can't nice go one. wrong um and i want to see past lives but i haven't seen it yet that's the next one on my list to go see in the cinema i'm excited about the sound of that i did go to see expendables 4 um because there was a small my partner had a small scene in it we went to go see if he was had made it into the film or not and that was quite an experience (laughs) so i so i did see this on your instagram and i forgot to ask you about it that sounds amazing the fact that you went to see it did he make it he's in it with jason statham (laughs) it's great um yeah but um I did not enjoy the film (laughs) other than that um yeah I I was just like how is it that there's you know so much death and destruction and so many bombs (laughs) and all of this and yet there's also no stakes like I just don't understand right uh it was it was one of those but it was you know it was quite funny so we sat and enjoyed um giggling through that together yeah it's gonna make so much money so why not make an expendables five and six and seven you know what i mean so going, guys yeah 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 that's great though what was the reaction when you found out that your partner was like so were you sitting watching it going i don't know if i'm going to be in this yeah. by the way and then he popped up you were like yes. we, went, we went to a little um we went to a little pre- well we 
held our own premiere at Cineworld. Okay. Uh, just went along on the day that it was released and we were like, is he going to be in it? And then the second uh, that the shot started, he was like, it's the scene. I mean, I'm in. And we were like, yay. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> around us was like, oh, who are these really enthusiastic Expendables fans? <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, oh, well, they must be in the film. Are you in this film? And then he gets yeah. to go, I am for how yeah, exactly. 12 in seconds fact- or whatever. That's me. Yeah, so we, we stayed behind to watch for the name and the credits. Up. It was all. It was actually. It was really. It was really exciting. It was. That's great. Thing. That's great. I'd love to get him on the podcast too. By the way. Oh, he would love this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely go for that. Let's yeah. Do it. Um. All right. Okay. I'll stop talking about the podcast. But that's great. You you saw Expendables four. I saw a film called Dumb Money, um, mm-hmm. at the cinema, and it had. Paul Dano, who's also in Little Miss Sunshine, he was oh. the lead character. Let me just, I've been away since I watched that, because I've been a couple weeks ago. It's Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, mm-hmm. uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, D- the guy that's like in everything, um, mm-hmm. America Ferreira, and the one and only Seth Rogen and Sebastian Stan, my man. Oh, big cast, okay. Cool. Uh, huge cast. I think so the film was okay, right? It wasn't great. <laughs> it was It was fine. It was, it was a film. You know, it was there. Um... But I think these all these big names were in the film because this was filmed over lockdown and they were just looking for something to do. And they were, they were like, like oh, well done, free. Yeah. There's a film, you know, let's go and do it. Uh, directed by Craig Gillespie, who has also done I, Tonya, And so, like, kind of Oscar-nominated films, you know, Pam and Tommy. So he's got a good relationship with Sebastian Stan. So that's probably yeah. how he made some contacts through that. I'm telling you, because, I mean, a lot of the film is set kind of 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. And a big thing is... It was weird watching, actually, a film that is set during COVID time. It was the first time I'd seen it on that high of a scale. Um, yeah. Because I, I remember thinking about it at the time, being like, well, this is, you know, going to be part of history and stuff. But I didn't really think they were going to write it into, you know, art and culture and that sort of thing. And I don't yeah. know if they just added added it to the story or if they just were forced to use, you know, COVID restrictions, yeah. you know, and they had to have it in the story. So um, mm. it was really interesting. It was an interesting film. It was about a guy who... Um, goes on the stock market and invests in a video game shop. And because of the nature of the world, people start investing and following what he says because he's also a streamer and he gives right. tips and stuff. So people believe him and also put stock in this game shop and the stock rises and rises and he's enlightened to make millions of dollars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a true story apparently that happened in 2021. So it was interesting. Um weirdly put together in some ways strange song choices and stuff I think they were trying to be hip and modern um, but it was good I, was, I would recommend check it out it does really take you out of it doesn't it if you're watching a film and then the soundtrack is like a little bit try hard maybe uh, and I'm talking like we're talking like Megan Thee Stallion and yeah. like the TikTok tunes and you know what I mean like we're going to be relevant yeah, it's a it's a fine line, isn't it? Because sometimes it's like delightful when you get it just right, and then you're yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, that was a really cool moment." But if you get it just the wrong side of the line, it's a bit it's it just feels a bit too forced. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's in cinemas now, I think. And uh, as you say, there's not much going about just now, so hopefully we're kind of now um, seeing more things coming out, especially when it comes to Christmas sort of time, you know. Yeah. Um, although there is obviously still strikes going on and stuff, but we'll see we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um. What about in terms of you getting into performing? When did you first decide you wanted to be an actor? When did you want to start doing performances, plays, shows, TV, all that good stuff? When did it start? Oh, okay. Great. Great question. Um, I actually think I can trace trace all of this madness now back to when I was in year six. So uh, that would make me 10, maybe. Yeah, yeah, 10. Yeah, I don't Um, know. We did a uh, Christmas panto at, of Hansel and Gretel and everyone at the school, it's like well, by the time you made it to year six, you like maybe got the good parts, you know, because okay. like, all the wee ones had to play other, you know, they'd be like the trees in the forest and stuff like that. But then you were like up for the big hitter parts when you were in your final year at primary school. Yeah. And I was obsessed. I was like, I must be Gretel. I so badly <laughs> want to do it. Do you know, uh, incredibly sort of performative maybe overly imaginative kid at home but I was like this is my moment um and uh I didn't get Gretel (laughs) and it was it was really sad only because uh I look back at myself at that time and I was like I was an incredibly late bloomer right got had the big hair incredibly gappy teeth just like a sort of awkward weird little kid um 
And of course, this like very, uh, she had like little copper curls, perfect teeth, this like beautiful child uh, got cast as Gretel. And I remember being like, oh, oh, that feels like a really hard life lesson. Like I'm like, I remember really being like, what does that mean? Like, what how, am I not the same as, oh no, I'm not. Okay. Um, and then I got cast as the witch. Um, and then it turned out that the version we were doing was from the perspective of the witch. Oh, the main character. So it was like a 180 from my kind of like, oh no. Uh, and I was painted completely green and they back combed my hair even more. I was covered in warts and I had the best time ever. And I really, really went for it. Um, and I remember realizing that I took to it. Like I, I just had so, so much fun. And it was just before the point when I started to become really self-conscious as well. So it was like, I had loads of fun and then the fear hit me for the rest of my teens. <laughs> but like that experience definitely set me off wanting to do that. And I got involved in drama at my secondary school early, had a really great teacher. So there's always one really great teacher, right? That has what a difference. What a difference for a subject like drama or music or something like that. You just need that relationship, I think. Yeah. And she she saw early that I was really keen um and I think realized that it was already really helping my confidence um and actually because of all the dental stuff side note but I <laughs> I grew up with a speech impediment um mm. so in terms of like doing speech and drama was really was like really helpful um and be like performing throughout working with that and like my sort of face shape changing or my mouth shape changing all the stuff like that but like still wanting to perform it was just I don't know it was just something from that point on it was something I always wanted to do yeah. um yeah I'm pleased I stuck with it yeah that's good yeah I also did a, a version of Hansel and Gretel in high school it was high school and it was like S4 or something uh-huh. but we had to write it ourselves oh that's but, tough like use a stimulus from or or you know find a famous fairy tale or play or something to kind of write a version of it so we just did Hansel and Gretel but I think I played like Hansel's friend that I just wrote in. I was like Hansel's pal Dave or something. <laughs> Hansel and Dave, the famous, the famous sequel. Gretel gets with Dave is a big, is a big one. <laughs> I love it. Dave's actually the one that finds them when they're in the oven at the witches and is traumatized for life. So dark that story. We obviously d- did not no. <laughs> do that version, but um, yeah. So. Yeah, there we That's go. Good. Hansel and Gretel from the perspective of Dave and the witch. Uh, <laughs> maybe Dave the... and the witch would have been a good friend. The witch was called Doris, so it could be Doris and Dave, which has got a <laughs> ring ring it to it itself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. I was I was around this full sort of time. Um when I kind of made a decision, I was like, you know, I'm gonna go in and I enjoy this, you know, I'm gonna go in and try and continue on with the performing. Um, so maybe there's Hansel and Gretel. Maybe every child should do Hansel and Gretel at some point in their career. And this is the make or, make or break decision. Did you enjoy it or did you not? Or did you just want to play the witch? You know, so. I love it. Get get those grim tales in early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so that's that's great. What about when you came to the RCS? Did you, you studied there, right, for a bit, RCS? Yeah, so I, that's how I ended up up here, actually, is I uh, yeah. moved up to do the MA in Classical and Contemporary Text. Very um, fancy, yes, very nice. Very nice, very contemporary. Um, at the RCS, and then I ended up staying. Um, I had some work lined up after RCS up here for the following year, so I stayed and was like, oh, okay, and then stayed for another year after that, and there was less work, but I was like, okay, there's some developments, there's stuff coming through. Um, and then the year after that, I was writing a show with my theatre company. So I was staying to do that. And that was all kicking off. It's really exciting. And then like the next two years were COVID. And now it's been another couple of years. And now I just live here. And my mum will truly never forgive me. But here we go. Yeah. Yeah. But then you met me and, and you met your partner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. And now, now, now here we are. And now, now I run a business here. So <laughs> the nails in the coffin. Yeah. She ain't leaving. Um, so that's good so I don't know if we can talk about this can we talk about the film that you did that you were then no longer in <laughs> yes so, can we so, talk about that <laughs> yeah definitely Isn't please there? tell me the story okay um right okay well I'm gonna... it also sorry if I brought up bad memories here I really didn't mean oh, to oh no it was story. a very long time ago um right well it makes you a bit nervous so I'm not gonna like go into too much detail <laughs> 
but basically uh when i was at rcs i had an audition um for for outlaw king for like this netflix film and i you know when you're like i just cannot believe it it was like a full out of body experience and i found out that i got it i was like i'm gonna maybe i'm gonna be fine like maybe i'm actually gonna be all right and this stuff's just gonna keep coming um and it was a really cool week on set like i learned a lot about how sets that scale work and it was like a really it was just really interesting. The costumes were amazing. It was all like historically accurate. So it was like being in a sort of waking historical dream. Um, but we were on set for like a week um, and I was playing, I was playing a queen. So I'd kind of convinced myself that I was like important historically enough that I was going to be safe. <laughs> no yeah. such thing. Totally cut from the film, wasn't in it. Uh, you can see me in the background at one point just being like, I'm also here. Um, yeah. Oh, that was a very loud notification. How about that? But um, yeah, so yeah, we were, I went along to the premiere um, and found out in real time sitting in the cinema that my like first speaking part in a film had disappeared. <laughs> Um, and I'd taken my friend um, Claire McAllister, who I uh, run Hissy Fit Theatre with, and um, we were both, honestly, she had like most of her hand in her mouth trying to not laugh at just the, my expression. Um, yeah, it, it was funny just because the bits that were left of me were so brief. Uh, but the amazing thing was because I was in the opening shot because I was um, like sitting next to the king, who was obviously a very important character. Right. And I was billed third um because they did in order of appearance so for a little while having like turned up to do this for a week you know I only had a few lines and then we had to do lots of ad-libbing but because because the character was French and like I knew that's how the director wanted to work I'd spent weeks I'd been like listening to French language podcasts I'd been like like <laughs> trying to come up with maybe appropriate phrases that she would say like um all these things so that I could ad lib in French and uh, hey. to my credit, I did manage. Like at one point I got radio mics and um, I like had to sort of like go with it and make stuff up in front of like 180 actors and this massive thing with, I was absolutely terrified and I left being like, I've done it. I'm in that film. <laughs> and I wasn't. <laughs> but um, yeah. I just imagine you trying to speak French in front of these people. And oh. like not knowing what you were saying, but also like just trying to like improv and say something important, you know, to the and to the point where you just feel so proud of yourself, and you go to watch it, and it's just you were cut. I felt <laughs> when you told me that, I felt so bad for you. I had a great time at the premiere, you know, it was right. fantastic. Um, and actually, ended up getting invited. Apparently, there's this whole thing on IMDb. I ended up getting invited to um like parties in LA for like Ooh. a week after it was was released because people had no idea who I was. But because they'd looked and because because I was billing third, despite the fact I'm not in it at all. And there are so many like brunette kind of pale right. women in that film. I think they just assumed I was one of the other ones that spoke loads. And I was like, at the time I was working in Cineworld on Renfrew Street <laughs> on the films. Like, like I was there like sweeping up after the film that I wasn't in. Being like, I can't go to LA. What's happening? I can't do anything. Um, you should have went and just pretended you were someone else. That's so I should have just gone and pre like fully pretended to be Florence Pugh and just yeah. been like, what are you going to do? It's me. <laughs> or you could say, yeah, I was in the film. Did you not see me? I was billed third. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 I was in it. I was next to the king. Or um, just, just, yeah, just be like, I, I was actually the queen and just not specify which queen. Like, leave it, leave it open. Right, but then... They'll That's probably cool. do that thing that people do when they haven't watched something or they have, or they don't know what you're talking about, but just don't want to just make the conversation awkward. Oh, yeah, you were the queen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, memorable. Yeah, no, uh, you left a very distinct impression, actually. Yeah. yeah. Quite that, royal. You wore a crown, right? Yeah. <laughs> just honestly. <laughs> you waved. Yeah, I waved. <laughs> it was... Uh, I. It's actually one of my favourite stories now. It was very funny. No, it's um, great. It's not great, but it's great. Damp, damp week as well because the whole set got condemned from hurricane Ophelia. So there was a lot oh. of like standing around in the rain in these medieval costumes. But I made some some really great friends on that gig who are just great. So. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, I know obviously we're d devastated that we weren't in the film, but I mean, such a great experience, <laughs> such a great story, um, and also comes full circle the the fact you went to Expendables Four, and yeah. you were like, I know how this feels. Like this is not going to be good, and then boom. And then there he was. He was in and the then, film. And you know what? Afterwards, we went home and he was like, I want to, I need to watch on Netflix just to see you in the background of our vlog. 
I was like, you really don't need to do that. You blink, I'm not there. So we can have this evening together. This experience. <laughs> yeah. So good. That's good. Oh, okay, good. Well, sorry for reliving that, but that is... Um... No, with, with pleasure. It's fun. It's uh, it's one for the memoirs, Chris. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, you have to read a book. I would read it. Um, all right, in terms of watching films, do you remember the first time you went to the cinema or the first time you you watched films and when you know this is my first favorite movie of all time did you ever have that moment when you were wee interesting i remember a very early time of going to the cinema it was not a favorite time unfortunately uh my gran used to live in eastbourne down by the coast and i think i went to stay with her one time and she took me to see a bug's life in the cinema at Eastbourne and I was really excited and then I remember being and this tells you a lot about quite how oversensitive I was as a child (laughs) I remember crying and crying and crying at the bit in A Bug's Life where um there's the little insect circus and the flea gets stuck and he like starts to burn under the magnifying glass and I was like like it's meant to be funny and I was like distraught that everyone was laughing at this poor suffering flee and I just couldn't get over it for you know uh, it's a complete disaster um uh and then there's a bit in that they're in some huge leaf bird that's on fire and I remember being (laughs) being really worried for I I just over invested standard um so I think that's one of the earliest things I can remember seeing at the cinema um but one of my favorite things I've seen at the cinema or even just i mean you could have watched that at home like on on vhs or dvd or something like that but like an early memory you have of being like oh this is my favorite film when you were like five Mm -mm -mm. oh okay that early on let me think back because i remember seeing films like that to that age and just being like what on earth are we watching here you know what i mean like it's just so totally mind-blowing and i i knew the difference between like animation and real life stuff like i obviously watched toy story and all that good stuff um but like I have such fond memories of like Stuart Little, yes, and, and yeah. you know what I mean, like those sort of films. I was like, oh my god, that's a talking mouse. I had a VHS of Fly Away Home, the one with all the geese. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, she ends up raising loads of geese, and then she like has it. She she tries to like help them. Oh, it's it's all very strange, but I I definitely watched that quite a lot. What's it called? Uh, Fly Away Home. Let's do it. Be good. Nineteen ninety six. Oh, and, oh, I've got a really good one. Okay, uh, so obviously uh, Disney's, I was sort of obsessed with The Little Mermaid for a little while before I was like, hold on, the prince in this is called Eric. I don't buy that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so <laughs> it was like Little Mermaid and I loved Peter Pan. Um, yeah. And then very early on, uh, came across Hook. So I've got two much older sisters uh, who have excellent taste in film. So like a lot of that kind of trickled down to me a little earlier than in some cases it probably should have done. Um, But I remember being very obsessed with Hook um, and like the idea of like a kid-run commune (laughs) with all that amazing cool outfits. And like, I think just even that they'd made like their armor and their toys and their weaponry themselves. There was a part of me that was like always trying to like strap stuff together in the garden to make something. And I think it really like hacked into that bit of my, like it just um, completely took me over. And I was scared. I was really, really scared at the beginning of that film uh, with the hook mark all the way up to the nursery, up the stairs. But it was like that, that experience when you are in, you're like in, kind of enjoying being scared. There's something about it when you're like, oh, I, I actually need to watch that again and again. There's something a bit like compelling, like compulsive about it. Um, yeah. So I'd say Hook was up there. It's bonkers. I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And that in Labyrinth as well, I found that yeah. both are very similar, weird fantasy kind of films. Similar vibes. Yeah, that's a good match, yeah. actually. Similar vibes. Um yeah, but I think my favourite animation that I still find myself... I, I mean, I don't think it's, like, one of the best ones, per se, but The Emperor's New Groove, something Ooh. about um, just, like, Eartha Kitt's voice as Yzma, that just went... I honestly, sometimes I still find myself gesticulating like I'm Yzma, you know? I can't... I just... Th- the way that they were so frenetically animated... I just completely loved it. And um, me and my siblings quoted that, like, ye- I mean, we still do. Yeah. 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 Love that. Love that. Just when you were saying about um, wanting to be scared, 
I was speaking to Kelly Davy about it last week, and I was just like, I don't understand. I need you to explain to me the kind of like the thrill, like why you want to. Because I'm, I don't want to get scared. You know, I'm like, I don't like the scary films because I know I'm going to get scared. Yeah. How, how do you cope with that? As we're in October, you know, it's Halloween season. You've picked a very scary film for today's episode, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what um, what is that about that kind of thrill of being scared? Do you like? Do you like the horror films, or is it something it's silly? Funny because I'm like such a wuss. Like probably that bit now of like a hook in the wall would still scare me like <laughs> as an adult an absolute worst but I think what what I've gradually learned is like uh sort of stuff that is tense or psychologically tense I can totally cope with yeah stuff, actually maybe even stuff that's like supernatural or very imaginatively fictional so like I quite enjoy exploring that feeling of like oh that's a bit unsettling in mm. something like Hook um and that's like definitely carried into other films if it's sort of um magical realism or stuff like that i really enjoy it yeah. but what it is um i find it really hard to separate um when it when it comes to stuff like physical violence so um actually right. even the expendables where there was like loads of uh kind of everybody's just being slaughtered left right and center and it's really casual i i can't like wh- whatever part we're meant to dissociate in our brain i can't do that because i'm like even though this is a story, that's not funny because people ha- have died like that or people do die like that. Right. And I, I kind of can't be like, it's just a film <laughs> in those moments. So yeah. films that are like gore, I just I just can't handle them. They do something to my body um, that I just, I like I completely shut down. So yeah. I'm utter worse when it comes to that. Paranormal oh, no. a little bit better with now. I'm being gradually <sighs> eased into it by my flatmate who loves stuff like that. He'll sort of tell me when there's a jump scare or stuff and that. Oh, helps. that's good. Um, so I'm getting a little bit better, but yeah, just the I just can't hack the goal. That's an interesting take though, about like um because you know this obviously this is a film, but this has happened to people, you know, and you can relate to that. You know, the people watching the film will might get, you know, like disturbed by it because you know, they've they've known someone that's maybe died like that or has heard of it like that that's happened in real life. You know, that's why it's kind of weird when all these films tend to be based on a true story and yeah. you go, well, how how true are we talking here? Because this is horrific, yeah. you know? Um, actually, this is probably like really dark because I was quite into history as a kid. Um, yeah. And my older sisters obviously were watching stuff like beyond my age appropriate right. bracket. Uh, I remember going through to the lounge at one point being like, oh, I can't sleep. I basically wanted attention. And then they were watching something about Elizabeth I and there were people being burned at the stake. And I remember it being like complete, you know, I didn't sleep for, it was like night after night. And and because I already could understand at that stage that like, although that was a film and they were actors, I was like, that doesn't matter though, because they're actors who were playing real people who did die like that and I can't stop imagining it. So there's just like whatever distance that is. In some ways, I think that's a really like helpful thing acting wise or writing wise. It's like a a help. And in other ways, it's just like endlessly impossible to like (laughs) watch anything. Um, Something and everything that's like that. Yeah. 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 So it's this sort of hypersensitivity that I've had to, um, had to kind of find ways around. So in terms of like the scary films, though, I don't. It's not that I don't like the jump scares because that's just jump scares, right? You, you, they're over in a second or whatever, right? But it's, it's obviously the anticipation, and that's the point, right? It's like the build up to the to the scare. Um, yeah. But the scariest film I've ever seen, I always say, is The Shining, right? Um, but it's just such a brilliant film. I've watched not, it with my hands, yeah. That's like another example of one where I finished watching the film and just thought it was amazing but I've never watched it again because it freaked me out so much you know yeah. whereas something like Jaws I mention every episode that comes up that's my favorite movie right yeah. um yeah and there's there's like jump scares in that and they still get me not in like a sort of like and I properly I'm, I'm losing the pop call that I'm totally jumping but like even it's I get disturbed sometimes still when you see the shark and the blood and all that like it's even though I've seen it a million times yeah still fresh fresh blood in the water for yeah. you that's a film on Disney Plus I want to watch actually that's Sebastian Stan as well Fresh I think he plays a cannibal that looks interesting oh yes yeah you see okay so I watched one the other week called uh, Lake Mungo which was so great I'd really recommend that for people who are like scared but not yeah there's no gore it is you know um, 
is about like a tragic incident that happens to a young woman uh you like very early on but it's kind of like you don't you don't really have any details about what's happened to her it's just like in the aftermath of her death yeah and a lot of it it's filmed in a like uh documentary style so they're all actors but it's like their interviews um and their acting style for that is just it's so impressive (laughs) Um, and it's really unsettling, but only in that every time you think you've understood what's going on, it shifts again. So it like keeps you guessing for the whole film. Um, so it feels a bit more like sort of investigative than horror. Yeah. It's yeah, I I was that's one that I was like, oh, I enjoyed that. I'd recommend that. When people ask me who in my life is like the most positive and happy people that I know, I always mention Becca Dunn. Um, and oh. we are we are in October, so I feel like I have to like mention some form of like scary films and stuff. But we'll, we'll shift over to a more happier note. <laughs> films we're chatting about to maybe your favorite film of all time. Is that why you selected Little Miss Sunshine for today's episode? Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, probably since I was about fifteen, that has been my answer the whole way through. It's Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. I think I asked you like like ages ago when we first talked about doing this. I was like, "What would be your favorite film?" And you you kind of you had it ready. Um, yeah. When was the first time you saw the film? Was it you know obviously you were fifteen? Was it when the film came out? Did you see it in the cinema, or was it one that you ended up being shown later on? Yeah, shown later on. It was a DVD with the friends kind of situation, which was yeah. just I don't know. I don't think any of us had seen it actually. Um, dare I say? I think it was actually a blockbuster. Ooh. Sure, sure, my age here, but I think it was actually a, a blockbuster DVD pickup. Um, I love that. And I just, I don't know, everything about it just hit at completely the right time for where I was at, sort of in my, in my like cynical teenage state, but yeah. also in being like, sort of disillusioned but also very ironic and feeling like everything was very dysfunctional and difficult and no one understood me um and the soundtrack is just incredible there's a good soundtrack yeah uh, and even now actually i am um, i watched it again just the other month and i think it just doesn't miss a beat like it holds up so well there's not a single moment wasted in that film and I still it still makes me completely howl with laughter and also there are moments in it so tender that I want to cry like it it does just take you through all of it just looking at the the playlist here on Spotify the official Little Miss Sunshine uh, soundtrack so many like tunes that you wouldn't expect to be in there so um, it introduced me to Sufjan Stevens, who's still one of my favourite artists, but he did Chicago for that. Right. And, well, that was, they put Chicago in it. He didn't do it for that. But even now when I hear that song, um, it kind of, it for me, it's now somehow about teenage me or like teenage Becca. And it's related to Little Miss Sunshine and watching that film. And then there's something about like the image of them running after that yellow camper van. Right. Is like attached to the song. Um, but also because the song is about like change and letting go and grief, but it sounds really cheery. It's just so exactly the feeling of that film in the song that, yeah. Um, yeah. It's um like the iconic kind of DVD cover, I guess, just because it's bright yellow. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's the scene that I knew from it. I'd never seen the film before. This is a first time watch for me. Um, and that's the whole point of the podcast, right? It's, it's yeah. to have, connect with my friends and new people and stuff like that, but also to kind of force myself to watch some things that I've never seen before. And I'm not saying I'm the type of guy, because I'm definitely not, I'm not the type of guy that would be like, I'm not watching that film because it's, you know, it's called Little Miss Sunshine and I'm a boy and I'm not like that at all. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would happily watch anything, but just maybe that is the reason I just hadn't seen it before. I just, it was never one that popped up and I was like, you know, I really want to watch Little Miss Sunshine. So I was yeah. delighted you picked it. So I got to watch it and um, I love Steve Carell. One oh. of my favorite actors, okay. um, and so the fact that he was in that, like, and I knew he was in it, and I knew he was going to be funny, even though it's not like a typical Steve Carell character. He's actually going through some really serious stuff. Yeah. Um, it deals with a lot of serious kind of issues that the Steve Carell style of acting doesn't really deal with. I know him as Michael Scott, and you know the guy from Anchorman and things like that. Yeah, you know, so yeah. Um, so it was so nice to see him. And I kind of, he's still funny, he's still Steve Carell, you're still laughing away, he's so charming and stuff like that, but it's nice to see him in that kind of real, kind of subtle, serious role, you know? I think the whole thing is just, like, from all of them, such a masterclass, but also, like, with with Steve Carell in that, 
Uh, I'd only ever seen him do the like really big comedy characters. And it was that thing of being like, oh, actually the skill in that is that you can dial it the whole way down and give right. these like, hyper real naturalistic, actually like very vulnerable uh, performances. Cause it's like clown. It's like the tragedy and comedy sits so, so close together. And I love getting to watch him play with that because I mean, he's just brilliant in it. And then, then there are moments when he's like, uh, when he'll just tell people to shut up or whatever, yeah. uh, where it's where it's like laugh out loud funny, but you still don't feel like you're watching Steve Carell doing a Steve Carell character. Like he very much is totally yeah. taken over as Frank in that. Yeah. Yeah. You do relate to him, you know. I feel like you actually relate to all the characters in a way. Like I have nothing in common with the daughter, with Olive, who's going to yeah. go and you know be in the beauty pageant. But it's all about like you know fo- having a dream, following your, your dream, and having a su- a good support system around you, which yeah. I've always been lucky to have had and stuff. And you know, and I feel like you know my parents would have gone above and beyond to help me. You know, you know what I mean? Like finding a way to relate in any way possible is yeah. something that I feel like I can do quite well, and, and that I was able to do in this film. Um, and then, of course, I was going to say was the, the the running scene when they're trying to catch the you know the jump in the the big van jump thing. In, yeah. I mean, how much fun that would be to film! How difficult that would be to do! Yeah. Is that the most like iconic scene from the film? Do you think? Oh, there's so many, but like definitely, I think there's a reason that one's on the cover because yeah. I feel like oh, I mean, I'm going to get all ridiculous about this now, but I feel like it is. Um, so uh, for anyone that hasn't seen it, because the the camper van they're in on this really long road trip to go to this completely sort of damned beauty pageant that none of them want to go to and turns out to be like a sort of hellscape of kid beauty pageant in America when they yeah. get there. And um, the van like gradually breaks down. Uh, so at one point the dad honks the horn and the horn just doesn't stop. So for the rest of the <laughs> it's like this weird kind of like weebling little horn going on in the background and everyone's being driven mad and then the door won't come back on properly and then the clutch goes so they have to always park on a hill and like and push it to get it so they're all pushing the car to get it going every single time so it's and it is this thing I feel like uh because they're such a dysfunctional family and they're so separate and isolated at the beginning but it's like in them trying to push and like gather behind the youngest one Olive it's like the 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 car becomes like this metaphor for them trying to like get something to move beyond them and like beyond their circuit so they're all like they they push it into motion and then they all have to chase after it yeah i love it a few times they almost don't make it in but somehow it's like it's funny but it also feels like the whole scene the whole film in an image um uh like that feeling of trying to let something go and catch up with it at the same time yeah yeah Total family film, you know what I mean? Like uh, coming together, teamwork, all that good stuff. Like um, it's such a nice metaphor. They're pushing the, this this van, yeah, this yeah. camper van, um, which I could never fit in. By the way, imagine me trying to sit in there and I'd bang my head. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, this, <laughs> your head would be like at an angle, right angle the whole time. I feel like I'd be like Paul Dano's character, Dwayne, just sitting there not saying a word. And so he oh. that was really interesting because he, um. He's playing a character that hasn't spoken in so long. I can't remember why yeah. he's not speaking. Is he trying to break a record or something? Uh, um, so he's sworn a he's sworn a vow of silence um, <laughs> until he becomes a, a jet pilot. He wants to fly jets, and um, he's obsessed with Nietzsche and has decided in his studying of Nietzsche that until he's accomplished this goal, he's not going to speak. So he's almost taken this like monastic vow, um, and I also think because like everybody else in his family talks so much and so insistent right. he's just been like i it's like he's just stepped out completely yeah like i don't know how you are with like big groups right but i feel like that would be quite overwhelming for me if we were just quickly let's all get packed in here and we're going to be really stressed out and we're going to go on this long road trip and stuff and nothing's going to go right and the yeah. car's going to break down and we're all going to be arguing like i think i would be like i'm just going to sit here and not say anything for like five hours just awful especially when uh there's so many deep-rooted family tensions in such a small space so it's like actually they all kind of really truly in that moment hate at least one other member of the family in the va- do you know like everybody is like constantly sniping at each other so you would just be like i'm just gonna just gonna numb out like there's a bit where he's looking out the back window and they're going under this big um multi-junction concrete bypass is that, is that what they're called but yeah like underpass like, yeah, yeah 
yeah, they're going under that and he's just like watching it over the sky. And I remember it is again, it's that like teenage state of mind when you're like, I just can't absorb any more <laughs> of them. So you you kind of like <laughs> look out the car window like you're in a film, like he does. Yeah. And it's like zone out. And I remember um yeah, I remember that image really clearly from him. Yeah. Not to spoil anything, I'm just going to assume people who have clicked on this episode have seen the film. Um, yeah. But the moment where he realises that he can't be a jet pilot and he runs, he's like, I don't know what to do. Like He's, he's going to stay in the van and he's he's really upset and he's going to start crying and shouting and screaming. In the van, yeah. He starts playing, he tries to like to hold it in and that scene was just amazing. He just runs out into the distance, into the nature and just starts yeah. like absolutely breaking down. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's obviously going to happen if it's coming from a character that's not spoke for an hour and a half. But yeah. I, I just didn't expect it to be like, whoa, that was, what an amazing <laughs> scream. <laughs> Explosion. And I, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it is very funny. Uh, can we swear on this? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, it's very funny that he's like been silent for the whole film. And right. a lot of people said really inappropriate things around him, like in front of this kid, he's got headphones on and stuff. Uh, and then in his moment, the first thing he says in the film is like the longest bellowed fuck <laughs> you've ever heard as he like explodes out of this van. And it is like an explosion. And there's something so like, it's not, it's such a like undignified moment because Paul Dano like obviously really commits to it. It's like all like yeah. crap. His voice is really high because he hasn't spoken for ages. Like it's all snotty and he's like in the dirt just in like, proper grief at his dream just disappearing that was like the only yeah. thing that was keeping him sane it's actually it's like so heartbreaking but also there's again that this is what this film does so well it's like really heartbreaking and like very real that loss but it is also kind of funny like he's just sitting there in this massive um valley and his family are like in the background being like we've got to get back in the car or we're going to be late like what are we <laughs> <laughs> like what we're we gonna do? He's not moving. Do we come back for him? Yeah. Um, and I loved like uh, it's Olive, right? It's his little sister yeah. that goes down and and just is like, "Come on, let's go then." And he's like, "Okay, yeah, you're right." And it's like that brother sister kind of relationship that only yeah. I think a sibling thing would ha- would ha- would do. You know, like you would do it for your sibling. Exactly that. They're all trying to save her, and a lot of the time they're trying to save her in like such unhealthy, toxic ways, like the yeah. dad. They're like when they're walking back up the slope from where he's had his big explosion, there's a bit that always really breaks my heart, which is he just lifts her up like under the armpits for the last bit of the slope because it's too big for her. Yeah. And they've you know, they've barely said anything. She's just given him a hug and he's been like, Okay, well, I mean, I can't not do That's this cool. for you, like, because I love you, so we've got to go. Yeah. Um, and it's oh, it's just it's so tender. Yeah. Great scene when uh, again, spoiler if you've not seen it, but Alan Arkin's character passes away, um, <laughs> the granddad of the family, uh, and he's in the hospital and it's happened and they have to go to this beauty pageant. So it's like, well, we need to stay here, like granddad's dead or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we're, we're going to make the pageant, like we're all going to go. And they just they just take his dead body and throw it out the window. Like, and it's not that I wasn't expecting it because it, it's not as if I was like, this is a very family film and it's nothing no, it's funny all- like that's going to happen. But I just, I love the fact, and also it wasn't like a kind of slapsticky kind of like, oh, we've got this body flying out the window. It was really logical. Like, yeah. they, like they filmed it in a way, like if this was actually happening, how difficult it would be to manoeuvre this body. And he's old and he's kind of a heavier guy. And like, yeah. um, I thought that was hilarious. And even to the point where, does he speak to the cops? Because <laughs> the thing yeah, with Brian, yeah, Brian Cranston comes over. over. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's in the, yeah, my granddad or my, my father's in the boot of the car and he thinks it's a joke. Um, That's probably one of my favourite scenes when they were trying to get him out the window. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's such a like slow transition from the shock and like grief that they've lost him. And then them being in that little room and being like, he'd want us to go. And then yeah. them deciding, they're like, right, okay, we're going to do this. And then it's just, this is horrible. This is terrific. <laughs> them running through the car park, holding the sheet. <laughs> And the Steve Carell running, like, that just makes it funny too, you know? I mean, Uh, the first time I watched it, I remember, I I think I was sitting there just, like, open-mouthed at that bit, being like, what is happening? This is one of the best films I've ever seen. Like, you just don't see it coming. Um, And it's so brave, but you're also like, this is so stupid. Like, what on earth are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? Yeah, like, um, I don't know if the idea of the kind of American beauty pageant thing 
yeah. Isn't a really a thing over here? Like, it, obviously, it is a thing, but it's not as big, you know, I don't think. Um, maybe that's me being naive, but I certainly haven't seen yeah, many yeah. beauty pageants around Glasgow anyway. Um, especially for really young girls, right? So you'd imagine this is a thing that maybe would happen in high school or when, when you're older and stuff. But it is fascinating to me that these things happen from when, you know, a child is whatever age all of us in the film, eight. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's crazy. So- Disturbing. Yeah, so disturbing. Um, and I mean, I'm not even, obviously I just said that I've never seen one in Glasgow, but I, I kid you not, like a day or two after I watched this film, yeah. I was in the car going to work, I guess, or the train station or whatever, and we were at kind of Renfrew Street, Sunny World actually, at the lights there, because the lights take forever. And we're sitting there, and the Royal Concert Hall, Glasgow Concert Hall, is on my left, and there was a child beauty pageant happening in Glasgow on that day. Like, a day or two after I watched this film. I couldn't believe what it. What are the odds? You must have been, like, chilled to the bone. <laughs> but the I way am... I noticed it, because obviously it was it was fresh in my head because I watched the film, but there's yeah. just these, like, I swear they could have been older than yeah. seven walking around, and they had the hair, like, yeah. all done up, and the makeup, like, so plastered on. And it's just, it's obviously a big deal, and it's great, and I'm, these are memories that they're going to look back on. But it's just, it's so weird to me that that's the thing that you, you do from that young of an age. Yeah, in terms of, like dance shows or like talent performance them all doing public speaking or like having a skill uh I think all of that is so great but particularly in the era of the ones that they're looking at in the old Miss Sunshine like because I don't know what they're like now um and I I hope that they've got a lot better but I think like the thing is it's all really weirdly sexualized like they're making these kids look like teenagers and they're making them do very inappropriate things and the response very inappropriate um and it's like her family gradually realizing this um and then i'd i'd say for me like the probably i mean there's so many iconic scenes like the chasing after the car the bit where they forget her and they have to go back um and paul dano's like explosion out of the van when he speaks but i think the like apex of all of it is when she finally does her performance and um i mean if you if you haven't seen it, like don't listen to us talk about it because you want to be surprised. But it is like you have no idea what her, her routine has been for the whole film because they're working on it, you know, with yeah. with Alan Arkin's character, yeah. And that until you get to the end and you've seen all these other kids do their routines or like bits of their routines, and you're starting to be like, this is actually really quite dark. Like this is unsettling, and I don't want this kid. Yeah. all of this to do this and her family are being like we don't want her to do this this doesn't seem right but also like what if people laugh at her but if we pull her from it then she'll get a different lesson that she she can't be like these other kids or that like yeah. um like her body it's like she has some stuff about body image that comes up in the film like kind of put on her by adults and they're like well we can't take her out of it because she'll now think that that is because of that and that there's something wrong with her so like how do we now support her to go through it um, and have a good experience and um, it is just totally epic and the grand is epic. um the biggest uh you know has just it's just the biggest screw you possible to the whole thing and it's golden it's so joy-filled yeah the character like the person who's like running the pageant like the, the woman who's doing it is so on like so hateable of a character and she's hardly in it the actress does a great job actually of, of making you yeah. hate her in what such a, a short part. period of time yeah and the um the guy the like compare who's running it and he's yeah. all like, he's all like now this next little lady that he's guy good. so creepy like yeah. he's, i think he sings a song i can't remember what it is but he like sings a solo like at all these children covered in sequins standing there like little little dolls and it's just so like there's a there's like a cut to greg kinnear's face being like what is what yeah. is happening with this guy like this is his job yeah fantastic stuff Greg Kinnear was an amazing character in this film however the MVP of the film is Tony Collette because my god she is the anchor and holds the family together she's so good yeah and you can feel the burden of it so well like she 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 holds them together but the strain is so evident um there's a bit right at the beginning actually where she really angrily puts down a packet of choc ice on the table and she's like and here's dessert after they've all had this like horrific family argument and then she tries to eat one really fast really angrily and obviously it's incredibly cold yeah. <laughs> just you collect being like <laughs> but like uh yeah she's so amazing in it yeah i love a choc ice 
Um, it's been a while. Been a while, absolutely. Not now though. It's cold now. You feel it today, Jesus. Oh, I know. I know. We've just uh, our boilers only just got fixed, which is why I'm sitting here like holding on to this. Very room. nice. Very yeah, nice. Um, all right, so this is the Good Bit Podcast. You've already mentioned a few of your favourite scenes. You have to now pick one best bit of oh. the film. Oh. Or your favourite bit of the of uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, actually, yeah. Okay, I've got one. So, the ending is a close second because I, it is just, like, brilliantly done. But there's one scene which is, if you haven't seen the film, is probably the, the clip that you've seen because it does the rounds so much. But it's Olive in this like horrible motel um, with her granddad uh, just the night before he passes away. Uh, and they've just been practicing their routine. It's the night before the pageant. She's really nervous. And uh, she sort of is having doubts. And she goes like, granddad, am I pretty? And he's like, um, what are you talking about? Of course you're pretty. And she's like, she just doesn't believe him. And he ends up being like, no, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And I'm madly in love with you. And it's not because of your personality. It's because of your looks. Uh, and it's, it's very funny. And then she begins to be like, granddad, am I? Why is it she's so, she goes, I don't want to be a loser. Um, because dad hates losers. Right. Um, this is true. Greg Kinnear's character is like a 12 steps to success guy and he's put a lot of pressure on her. And then Alan Arkin has this amazing thing when he's like, you know what a loser really is? Is it somebody who's so afraid of failing that they don't even try and you're trying, right? So then you're not a loser. And honestly, I have ne there's just something about the tenderness between them in that scene and Abigail Breslin does such a great job and it's like, They've come all this way and then the fragility of her just being like, I don't know, I what if I fail? And then because my family's yeah. a mess, everybody leaves me. It's it's beautiful, really, really beautiful, that scene. I think of that, like, a lot, yeah. Good show. That is, I totally forgot about that scene. That was beautiful when I was watching it, beautiful writing, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking on IMDb at the, so it was nominated for four Oscars, won two of them. Uh, won Best Original Screenplay and it won Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Alan Arkin. Um, but it also was nominated for Best Picture. Um, yeah. So what year was this, 2006? I want to see what won in 2006. Yeah, what beat it? Okay. I, I, yeah, well, that makes sense because it just, like, as I was saying, it just doesn't miss a beat. Like, the screen, it's so tight, the whole thing. Okay, so it wasn't 2006. The film came out in 2006, so it would be 2007. Uh, how do you do that? Oh yeah, so seventy ninth Oscars. Uh, so it was won by The Departed, um, by Martin Scorsese. Great film. Um, seen it? Not bad. <laughs> no, I don't know. I might have preferred Little Miss Sunshine, but with the other films up for it that year, Babel. Not sure. Uh, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. Um, were all films. Seems like an uneventful year, if I'm honest, and. Best, let's see what the other one, Best Supporting Actor. So Alan Arkin won. Uh, Eddie Murphy for Dreamgirls was up. Mark Wahlberg was for The Departed was in that one. Uh, yeah, here's what I was looking for. A lot of my sunshine. Best original screenplay. It beat Babel Letters from Iwo Jima. I don't know what that is. Pan's Labyrinth and The Queen as well. Don't know these films. Pan's Labyrinth's pretty big hitter. Have you ever is seen that? Big, no, I don't actually know what it is. It's Del Toro, isn't it? That's, yeah, so that's a lot of magical realism. Also, actually, funnily enough, that's, I mean, they couldn't be more different style-wise, but it's not a dissimilar story in that it's sort of, um, like, around the hugely dysfunctional goings-on around okay. a young girl. Uh, and so one of them moves into magical realism, which is Pan's Labyrinth. And I'll tell you this, though. Out in Little Miss Sunshine, yeah. Yeah. Uh for animated films this year, Monster House, Cars, and Happy Feet all in the one go. That's, oh. a, that's a good list. Oh, whoa, whoa, big year. Okay, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But oh. yeah, there we go. Little Miss Sunshine ticked off the list on the good bit. I love the film. And you know what? It's one of those films where you watch it for the first time and you go, yeah, that was great and stuff. But when you do get talking about it, it makes you want to kind of watch it again and pick up some new things. I always enjoy the films more second time round, third time round, because you know what you're looking for now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm really pleased you enjoyed it. That's, <laughs> that's great. Must be awkward if you come in here and you're like, I personally hated it, but talk to me about your film. <laughs> I've, I've been lucky, right? I have been lucky where folk have picked great films. There's been a couple of times 
where I've not like loved it and I've been like, ah, but if also for the sake of the episode, I know I need to be somewhat enthusiastic about it and have some stuff to say because it's going to make it really awkward if I'm having like to counteract what the person's saying, unless it's going to make it an interesting discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the one that I kind of did bring up was Moulin Rouge. Um, with Johnny McKnight, I think with Johnny McKnight, who just loves Moulin Rouge. I love and, Moulin Rouge. It's uh, for you. Like it's, I like it and stuff, and but it just the film just wasn't really for me. I can imagine I'd like the show better because I like the spectacle, you know. Um, I don't know if it was just the film. I don't know what it was. It's just a, it's just a hit for me. Um, yeah. but yeah. Johnny McKnight just loved it. I was so enthusiastic about it. He was telling me bits that oh, what did you think of this bit? Um, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, great. Uh, it was sort of fine that bit. You I got McGregor. A, I like. I do love. I do love a Moulin Rouge. That's the soundtrack. That is it. I would listen to that soundtrack. Come what may. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Good tunes. Good tunes. But anyway, yeah, no, I did enjoy. It. There's not been any films that I've not liked necessarily. Um, because I'm quite open with that. I feel like I'm quite positive for that stuff. But I don't yeah. know. There, there will be some. Oh, you know, there you're that. an open-minded, positive guy. It's good. Yeah. 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 Like I'm not really into like Halloween and stuff like that. But then like last Halloween actually we had Alison Orr pick like Practical Magic, which uh, is filmed yeah. about two witches, and I'd never seen it before, never I've... heard of it. And I was going, This isn't really for me, but um Do you know they're gonna do a sequel to that? Yeah, I saw that, yeah, they're doing sequels for everything. Oh, oh my I god. Know. Make a new film, you know? And they're gonna do um oh, they're gonna do a remake of Death Becomes Her as well, which is another absolute classic. Uh and I'm a bit like Oh, leave it be. But I think because the CG, the CGI will have got so much better. Like special effects will be like it'll be completely different now. Um, which I imagine might make it a bit more scary, actually, because how sort of funny some of it was was kind of the effect in the <laughs> old. So we'll have to see. But yeah, yeah. Well, Becca has been lovely catching up with you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Um, and. We're, we're maybe thinking of doing a wee bit of a rebrand soon so maybe next time we speak if it's uh, with microphones in front of our faces it'll be more kind of general just to kind of catch up again and maybe a few months time but hopefully we'll see you before then anyway in person uh, definitely so I'm um, sorry it took you so long to get me on but it was really nice to sit and chat in the sunshine with you lovely totally thank you so much for your time and thank you to everybody for listening and for watching the Good Bit Podcast this week take care of yourselves everybody and we'll catch you all down the road